Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to begin a new series today, and the name of it, it's going to be Superpower. Superpower. I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up, even back in the day, I remember my brother and I, my older brother and I, would sit down on, on the weeknight, and we would watch this program together called Superman. I'm talking the old black and white with, you know, Clark Kent, Lois Lane, all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I don't, George Reeves, I think, was the Superman in it. But I mean, it was a ritual with my brother and I. We'd sit and watch that, you know. And, and, and you know, I've noticed this through the years, you know, but Superman, he was so cool. He was, you know, he'd look like a normal guy and then trouble to rise. And he'd run into a phone booth or into a closet or somewhere, and he'd come busting out of there with this big S on his shirt and cape. You know, I thought, how uncomfortable all day was it wearing that cape tucked up? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I trouble with a T-shirt sometimes. But anyway, but, you know, he did that stuff. And he'd go off, and he'd whoop the bad guys. And, you know, the, what was the saying? He was faster than a locomotive or uh, more powerful than a locomotive, faster than a speeding bullet, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. He's Superman. And I've seen this, you know, from, from those times to this, that there is just like this craze that people are into superheroes. Have you noticed that? I mean, there's all the Marvel remakes and everything in the movies, and I mean, you can go there and watch in 3D as the Hulk gets angry and busts his shirt and, you know, rips out with huge muscles and everything, and it's like, uh, you know, ready to take on the world. But, you know, I think that this, this quest, this craving that we can have, you know, for superpower, I think it's kind of a God thing. I think there's something in us that wants and craves and desires superpower with, that, you know, we need it. We need this kind of stuff. And the cool thing is, is, is you know, uh, Superman might have been created back in the, I don't know when it was created, the 30s or the 40s, I don't know. We have some probably technical guys here that could tell you when they, they whipped out the first Marvel magazine. You know, Rick Harrison on, on that one show would probably know. But uh, but any case, really, there are supermen in the Old Testament. There are supermen in, in days of old that, that just relied on the power of God. They relied on the power, the same power of God they relied on is absolutely 100% available to you and I today. As a matter of fact, you know, in the world that we live in here, in whatever year it is, 2015 it is, I'm telling you what, God knew the kind of problems we'd face. He knew the kind of pressures that would be on our life. He knew, you know, the, the, the challenges that would be, be staring at us as we get up every morning. And he said, you know what, I'm going to give them all they need to not just get by in this life, but to be an overcomer, to be more than a conqueror, to be a champion in this day and age. People are looking for a champion. You know that? You know, when trouble comes, when darkness comes, people are waiting for a champion to rise up. And I'm going to tell you today, you're the champion. Okay? In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 14, I'll just start right there. You know, I love going to these prayers of Paul 
in Ephesians. And there, there's some in Colossians and Philippians. I kind of gravitate to the Ephesians ones most of my, my Christian life. But uh, there's so much in them. I never quite get all the, the juice, you know, kind of squeezed out of it all. So, hey, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Hallelujah. Paul prayed this for us. He says, For this cause I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you and I. Say he's talking about me here. See, don't be thinking, reading this thing like he's praying for some long-lost relative or that he's praying this for some people that lived and died, you know, a thousand years ago or more. He's praying this for you. This is something God inspired. He's saying, man, he's praying that you would be granted according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit. Where? In the inner man. You know, he's talking about being strong on the inside. Can I tell you something this morning? If you are strong on the inside, it's going to affect the outside. You know? What is it? The core stuff. Well, the real core, you know, there's cores in you, but, but I'm telling you what, your spirit man, I'm telling you what, is full of God. Paul said, man, I'm praying, guys. I'm praying that you just don't wimp along through life. You know, I'm sure Paul would have prayed it like this. He'd have said, man, I'm praying that you're not going to live life like Eeyore losing his tail. Did you ever see Eeyore losing his tail? He goes around, oh, woe is me. It's another blue day outside. I've lost my tail. Paul says, Christians, body of Christ, I'm praying that we never adapt an or mentality. I'm praying that, man, that we won't get swept up in life's challenges and, and, and have the sap sucked out of us every day, but we'd wake up and we'd tap into who we are inside and we'd come out as a champion in this life. He says, I'm praying that you'd be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Uh, let me finish the prayer. He says that Christ, you know, I just imagine Paul was praying this prayer, man, and he probably came to points and got so excited he had to run around the house. He said, man, wow, this is good, strengthened in the inside by, you know, by the Holy Ghost, wow. Then he goes, that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded in love that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what Paul was praying. He says, guys, guys, I got to pray this. I got to tell you, we've got to wake up. We got to see this, that we've got something inside us that's better than a triple shot of espresso. I'm telling you, boy, you know, you go to Caribou, they say, moose it. I'm telling you what, we got something even better than that. We've got the Holy Ghost. We got moose it. You didn't know that. That's right. Is that right, Carol? Yeah, moose it. Anyway, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth the man <laughs> said this. See, there's a couple of Smith Wigglesworths out there. But the man said this. 
He said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. How, how can that be? How can that be? How can you be a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside? I mean, someone a thousand times bigger on the inside than they are on the outside, they're going to pop out of their skin. I mean, they're going to explode. If you put more air in those balloons, you know, than, than what the outside can contain, boom. I mean, that always makes me nervous when people are blowing up balloons. You know, we blew up, we blew up a, uh, hundreds of balloons at some event last year with a helium tank, and that's, that was kind of one of my jobs was, Psh. I got to say, it made me nervous, because I was afraid I was going to go, Psh. and it would explode, and it did a few times. A few times it did, and it, and it you know, just reinforced this fear that was trying to come on me. <laughs> But Smith said this, Smith Wigglesworth, the man said, he said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I'm on the outside. You know what he was saying? He was saying this, he's probably laying in bed there, you know, if he ever, you know, you know I actually, I heard Lester Summerall. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's, he's actually gone to heaven now too. But he was a personal friend of Smith Wigglesworth. And Dan and I had these videos that we watched Man, we must have watched some things a hundred times or so. But, but Lester would tell all these stories. And, and one of them he'd tell was, was Smith Wigglesworth. He said he'd get up in the morning, you know, and, and Smith was a wild guy. You know, had 14 people raised from the dead in his ministry. You know, he was an English plumber that, that was kind of a cranky old dude, you know. And, and, and he was. I mean, he did mean things to his wife, you know. He, like, locked her out of the house one night and just wouldn't let her in and just was cranky. And she'd just pray for him. She would just, just, just pray for the guy. And finally, he got saved. And when he got saved, he was radical, transformed. And, and, and you know, he was one of the greatest preachers, you know, of his time and, and had miracles happen, just wild things. We could spend the whole day and in, in the whole month talking about miracles that God did through him. But, but, you know, he, uh, Lester said he'd get up every morning and he'd do high-speed dancing before he'd start his day. You know, you, you know what that looks like? Just imagine it. Just imagine it. <laughs> Mitchell, get up and do some high-speed. No. <laughs> I, I do that, you know, when the shades are pulled and all that. But, but anyway, Smith would do that every day. He'd get up and do high-speed dancing and then he'd go about his day. But, but, you know, I'm sure he was laying in bed before he did his high-speed dancing, and he thought, I'm getting ready to face the day. And, you know, all the problems are out there. Like, everybody has problems. You know that? Everybody does. You know, you, sometimes we think we're the only ones facing stuff in this earth, but I'm telling you, if you looked in everybody else's vehicle, they're facing the same kind of winds and waves and everything that you're facing too. It's just maybe a different flavor. But Smith got up and he says, I'm not going to think about all that. I'm not going to think about my body. I'm thinking about the man on the inside. And he goes, grr, you know. He put a tiger in his tank, you know. And, and he came out like Tony and was just, a terror to the devil. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. You know, we're talking about superpower. You know, specifically this morning, we're talking about the strength of God. And, and I tell you what, I just need to hear this stuff because this, is, this stuff fuels my tank. This stuff says, says to me, hey, Paul, hey, Paul, come on, get up, you can do this thing. Whatever it is God's called you to do in life, hey, get up, you can do this. You're not alone in this. You're, wherever you go, God is with you. Not only is he with you, he's in you. 
And I'm telling you what, you've got power in you that you haven't even seen yet. You've got power in you that is not going to fade away because the times we're living in are dark. I'm telling you what, when the darkness is coming in all around us, we're going to shine even brighter. Ha. Huh. You know, can I tell you this? This is totally off my course. But, but talking about end times, okay? You know, we, you know, I'm not a real eschatologist, and I love hearing good stuff. People that know, you know, I like talking to people that know stuff about this. But, but I got to tell you this. If you're ever hearing stuff about the end times that puts fear on you, I tell you, that's not God. That's not God. Things from God will always get in you and cause you to rise up in any day. You know, and, and people get into squabbles about pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, and all that. I'm kind of a first bus going. I'm on it. I'm out of here. But I'm telling you what, if it was the last bus out of here, this word would not change. And what I have on the inside of me would still be the same. Superpower. Superpower. God living in me. You know, they have all these border things when you go into some of these countries, you know. They don't want you. Some places you go, you can't bring in a Bible, you know. I've got friends that, that have gone to countries that, that will not allow Bibles, and they've smuggled, smuggled things like that in. The truth is, you get, get you or me into one of those countries, we're like a bomb ready to go off because we've got God in us. We got the power in us. We got the word on the inside of us. I'm telling you what, we're going somewhere to happen. Philippians, did you guys find Philippians? It's in the New Testament. It's one of the go eat popcorn script books of the Bible. You know, Galatians, Philippians, Ephesians. How's it go again, Dana? Go eat. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. So if you're in LCU and trying to take a New Testament test, there was there was probably answer number 13 on the test right there. Go eat popcorn. Yeah, spell it now. <laughs> Philippians 2, 2, uh, 12, Paul said this. He says, therefore, my beloved, uh, beloved, I like that, as you always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my ap- absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Where I really want to go is 13. It says God. Say that with me. I don't want to be a a, a word hog on this. Say it with me. Say God is working in me to will and do his good pleasure. Are you thinking about that? God is working in you. God is working in you. You know, I thought that was just like what I had for supper last night, gurgling around. No, God is working in you. He's working in you. Now, you know, don't get tripped up in verse 12. You know, it sounds really rough. You know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What do I got to do? How do I do that? My goodness. Here's the thing. You know, I like to describe it like this. You know, it's like toothpaste. You guys use toothpaste? Don't raise your hand. But, but... Um, I like toothpaste, you know, I, I, I use it fre- frequently, you know, and Dan and I are on this new toothpaste kick, we got this new one that's, that's just like ringing our bell, and we like it. <laughs> we can't have any other toothpaste in the house, it's got to be this one, and, and uh, but the thing about toothpaste, this is the kind of stuff you talk about in premarital counseling, you know? <laughs> How do you squeeze your toothpaste tube? 
Do you squeeze it in the middle or do you roll it up from the end? I mean, this could, this could break up a relationship. So, I mean, this is, these are things Dane and I discussed even before we were married when we'd have these long-distance phone calls. But, um, you know, I think I've changed over the years. But they've made toothpaste tubes better. But the thing about it is this, is inside a tube of toothpaste is supposedly all you need to keep your teeth shiny and bright, okay? You know, if you watch TV commercials and believed them, you know, I mean, you, you brush your teeth with toothpaste and, and there's like lights coming out of them and, you know, people, people are smitten by you when, you when you release a smile and a tooth shows, you know. They're like, whoa, you know, but, but inside that, that tube is, is what you need, you know, to, to, to do the job. But, you know, the only way that it's going to do you any good, even though it's got everything in it, and even though Dana and I got our favorite toothpaste at home, sitting on the counter, the only way that it does any good is if you take what's in there and work it out. What it is is you've got to apply it to your life. What's on the inside doesn't mean you, you know, what Paul's saying in Philippians 2.12, doesn't mean that, you know, if you sit like a, you know, bump on a, a log or something, it doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven if you've accepted Christ. But what it does mean is that you'll limit yourself here on the earth. You'll limit yourself. You won't be everything. You can, you can be a man or a woman that's full of God, that has everything that Smith Wigglesworth had, everything that Jesus had, and it could be living in you, and you could do nothing with it. You could do that. You know, you wouldn't want to do that, but you could do that. And, and that's what Paul's saying. He says, man, guys, God is living in you. God's living in you. I don't care whatever problem you're facing, man. It's, it, it, it's nothing compared to the power you have on the inside of you. Um, I'm going to do this. Look in Hebrews chapter 11. I just, you know, I've got to give a, a demonstration, a, a visual picture of this kind of power, you know, and, and one of the first ones that came into my mind was this one I'm going to share with you. In Hebrews chapter 11, right around verse 32, now, if, you're, if you've been around for a while, you, you may recognize Hebrews chapter 11, it's a significant chapter in the New Testament uh, teachings of in Christ stuff. But, but in Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's, many times it's referred to as the, the hall of faith. You know how they have hall of fame? You know, they have baseball hall of fame in Cleveland, I think, and different places around the country and world. There's places that are hall of fame. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is, is referred to as the faith hall of fame. Why is that? Because from the beginning verse right on through the end, what it is is the writer of Hebrews is, is, is showing us all, all these, talking about all these people through the ages that have just, you know, believed in God and done tremendous exploits in their life. What kind of people? People like you and me. People with feelings, people with emotions, people that could be intimidated by others same kind of people as you and me but yet they believed God and they did miraculous things ordinary people believing in an extraordinary God that's what these people were then in Hebrews 11 verse 32 uh, it, it, it specifically mentions a few people here it says what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of, of, you know, and he goes on, he mentions Gideon, 
You know, remember Gideon, he, he, he whooped an army with 300 men. And Barak, you know, uh, that, I, I have to read on, on him. But uh, the, the next one he mentions is this guy named Samson and Jephthah and also David of, and Samuel of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness. Can you say weakness? weakness? See, these weren't guys that were just, you know, just David, it mentions him. And, you know, we think of David. What do you think of when you think of David? I think of King David, you know, the giant slayer. You know, they could, they could name weapons after him, you know, giant slayer, David, yeah. David was like not the first pick in the eyes of normal human beings. The prophet Samuel, man of God, went to the house of Jesse to anoint, you know, uh, the, the next king, to anoint him. And all of David's brother, you know, Jesse brought all of David's brothers before the prophet first, you know, and, and how, 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 you know, Samuel, I can so relate to Samuel, because that's kind of how I follow God sometimes. Uh, you know, he brings the first one, I think it was Eliab, and he, he lays hands on him and he goes, oh, something's not right here. Yep, got to go down to the next brother. I kind of do that in life, you know. I check stuff out. Uh, that's not quite right. I got to go to the next one. So Samuel, he goes all the way down the line. He gets to the end of the brothers and he looks at Jesse. He says, don't you got any more kids? Is there any more young men here? And he goes, well, yeah, there's one out in the field. But he's, he's kind of the run of the litter. That's kind of what he said. And he goes and gets David in and Bam. There's the one. Out of weakness, they were made strong. Out of weakness. Samson is the one I want to stop on for just a moment this morning. Now, you'll find the, the more complete story of Samson in Judges 14. I think it goes on through ver chapter 16. And, and I'm going to just refer to a couple places here. But, but Samson was born to his parents at a time when they were under, the children of Israel, they were under oppression by the Philistines, okay? They're, they're, they're being whooped by, you know, being ruled by them. They're like slaves to them, okay? And Samson was born, and, and his parents, you know, had some wild experiences. Angels talked to him and stuff, but, but he was, was what they called a Nazarite from the beginning. Basically, they were dedicating his life to service of God, and, you know, one of the things that the Nazarites did is they didn't cut their hair, okay? That was just a Nazarite thing, you know? There's groups probably like that today somewhere, you know? I think there was over in South Minneapolis. To, anyway, no. Um, but in any case, Samson, you know, was, 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 grew up worshiping God and serving God. And, and you know, when, when I think of Samson, you know, talk about David, when I think of Samson, I think of this buff guy. I think of this guy like, like he is like Mr. Universe, you know, where he's greased up and, and, you know, he's in his Speedo and he's doing his pose and, I'm, you know, that's how I think of Samson. But here's the deal. Samson wasn't strong because he'd been to the gym and worked out every day. Now, he very well could have. He very, I'm not think, thinking he's a wimp or anything either, but his strength didn't come from doing push-ups and lifting weights and eating spinach or any of that kind of thing. 
His strength came because the Spirit of God came upon him. You know, there's, there's one time where Samson killed a lion, you know, and, and I was reading it. It, it, it. Let me just see if I can find it quickly. He, it says that a, roaring lion, a young lion came roaring against him. This is in Judges 14. You can look it up later. But it says a young lion came roaring against him and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart. As, and this is the part that hit me. As one would have torn apart a young goat. And I thought, hmm, yeah, I can relate to that, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing, Samson didn't do this because, again, he was buff. He did that because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. What do you think about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon somebody? Well, here's one manifestation of the Spirit of the Lord coming upon someone, and they turned into a superhero. They turned into a lion slayer. They turned into, you know, you read on, it says later he killed, you know, a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. You know, they got all these animals laying around, goats and donkeys and lions, you know, and, and he was just a terror. He, he terrorized the opposing army, so much so that they, they, they eventually, they tricked him through a woman, Delilah, and, and, and they, they, he, he, he lost the, the power. He lost it. He got caught up in things and got his eyes off God, literally. They took his eyes right out of the sockets, and, and they made him a slave. And then it says this, if you read the whole story, it's so epic. I mean, they, they could make a movie out of it, but don't, probably not. But um, the end of his life, He's a slave, and, and he's in this, this, this huge building, and, and all the, these, these, these Philistines are there, and all the, the generals and everything, and they want Samson to come and perform for him. I don't know what he was going to do, if he was going to juggle or dancing bears or what, but he was going to perform for these guys, and Samson comes out. His eyes have been gouged out. He's, he's sitting there, and he has one of the guys direct him over to one of the key pillars of, of the structure, and he prays to God. He humbles himself and he says, Lord, he says, I know that you're the most high God. He said, he said and I've, I've blown it. You know, it isn't about me, but just this one more time, if you could put your, let your power be demonstrated through me. And, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him again. And he, he, in, in this, this feat, he pushed the pillars, you know, out of their, their foundation. And the whole place crumbled. And it says that he, it killed 3,000 of the enemy with that one act, more in his death than he'd killed in his life. But this was Samson. This was the, the man who the Spirit of the Lord would come upon. Now let me just talk about this for just a minute, and then we'll, we'll close this morning. The same Spirit that came on Samson now has permanent home on the inside of you and me. The same Spirit, you know, and, and, and yet we can get defeated by, by our bills. Or we can get defeated by, you know, what somebody says on the news. We can get defeated by somebody who was grumpy to me. They didn't have my coffee ready. Dana, you didn't make coffee this morning? <laughs> oh, we've got the Most High God living in us. The Spirit of the Most High God. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He said this in verse 10. 
Paul, was a, he was a case. But supernatural strength is found in your inner man, the man on the inside. This is what Paul said, though. He says, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, the word infirmities, let me just explain this. Infirmity doesn't mean sickness necessarily. Paul wasn't sitting here saying, I have to say this because some people might think it. Paul wasn't saying, I take pleasure in sickness, okay? Paul wasn't like some fiend about, oh, I'm going to suffer for Jesus. That wasn't what he was talking about at all. In the, te- to the context, you'll see this. Infirmity just means a weakness. He's, in, in other words, Paul was saying this, when I look at life and I see there's things that, that are beyond my abilities, I take pleasure in that because I serve the Most High God. And he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. In fact, he lives on the inside of me. And this is what he says. Paul says this. He says, I take pleasure. He's, he's gotten to the point in life where I take pleasure in this because I realize this. When I feel like I'm weak, he says, then I'm strong. Because I'm not looking at me to solve this thing. You know, I'm not looking at me to you know, live the perfect life. I'm looking at him and his power working through me. Say, his power, his power is living in me, working through me. You know, I'll read the whole thing. He said, infirmities and reproaches and necessity and persecution and distress for Christ's sake. He says, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. And I'll just, I'll just end with this verse, um, Ephesians 3.16. We read this this morning where Paul was praying that we just get a glimpse of the power that's in, in us. I got some different versions of it. Um, the Amplified says that we'd uh, be strengthened and reinforced with his mighty power. The Johnson Bible says that he, you'd get an infusion of strength in the depth of your being. I, I like that. The wand version says that you'd be mightily strengthened by his spirit in the very core of your being. Uh, that speaks to me too. The Phillips Bible says that you'd know the strength of the spirit's inner reinforcement. Uh, the, the letters to street Christians says that we'd, we'd get a grasp of his unlimited resources that make our spirit strong by his spirit. And then the Jordan says this. He says, out of the abundance of power to win. There's an abundance of power in us to win by his spirit ruling in our inner life. Wow, I like that. You got some stuff in you. You got the greater one in you. And he's there to put you over in life. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.